podcast starts. Hello everyone, if this is your first time listening to this show then welcome, and if you're a returning listener, welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. This show talks about horror, horror in film, TV, other media, other items which we think of as adjacent to horror, and sometimes other things from our lives which we'd like to talk about, just because that's who we are. This week we're going to be talking about some of the films we saw at the recent Fright Fest digital festival. We have a number of hosts who vary each week, but I'm T.D. Velasquez and you can call me Dan. I'm in Greater Manchester and today I have the great pleasure of being joined once again after a couple of weeks of absence by... Stella in Manchester. Yay! And only Stella, (laughs) because we haven't got Kirsty this week or, or indeed anybody else. So, welcome back Stella. Lovely to have you again. Hello. I know, it feels like it's been ages... It feels like weeks and weeks and weeks, not, what is it, two weeks? Well, I think it's... Two weeks. I think yeah. you've only missed one episode, actually. I said a couple of weeks ago, right. but it's two, two weeks of time. Yeah, so yeah. Mm. it does feel uh, like a mad amount of time. Um, even though in that time we, we've had Fright Fest uh, and yeah. also the preparations for Grim Fest have started, so myself yeah. and... Um, our uh, lovely friend Ian Winterton have been watching lots of previews for for Grimfest and interviewing, being involved with interviews, which will be, um, you know, be included on upcoming episodes of the show. Um, so basically, I've just been kind of, as well as trying to balance work life and and normal life, I've been kind of showered in loads of new horror movies, <laughs> which has been, you know, definitely yeah, interesting and fun. That's um, no bad thing, is it, really? <laughs> no, and uh, I did particularly enjoy Fright Fest because, you know, yeah. we, we were both... I mean, you saw lots of films there. I, I only saw five, but we were kind of texting each other in between and exchanging quick comments and things. And also there was a nice um, group on Facebook of attendees just swapping opinions. And oh, yeah, was it called the, the Phoenix something or other? I think it was yes, but yeah, I kept yeah, I... I kept dipping into that group all over the weekend to see what people were saying and people being excited and taking pictures of themselves at home in front of their screens. <laughs> yes. It was good. It was very nice. That's, that's the new festival experience. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and as Kirsty observed on the show, if it hadn't been for the COVID nineteen lockdown, we wouldn't have been able to go to this festival because yeah. it's in London usually so it's great to be able to take part in that um, yeah and yeah. Uh, but but it's nice that we've got grimfest building up to um happening soon in manchester but also digitally so we'll be able to see that as well and although some of the same films will mm. be shown a lot of different ones will as well so yeah so that's going to be another um kind of a comparable companion piece experience yeah well, so how have you been? All right. Um, well, after Fright Fest, because I watched, I had the full um, pass um, that mm. was bought by my friends, uh, Shelley McMurdo, Tom Watson, Craig Mann and Laura Mee. Just say thanks to them again. But so I had the full weekend pass and it started on Thursday night. It didn't end until Monday, sort of tea time. I watched 13 films and two sets of shorts. So by the time it wow. came to the Tuesday morning, I didn't have a film schedule to sort of adhere to. Really didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I was wondering, right. I was going, oh, what do I, What time do I need to be? I oh, know it doesn't matter anymore. You can go back to normal life. 
And, uh, it does feel like you're living in a different world. For it bit, really, really it? does. And I, I invested in one of those um, TV streaming stick things so that I could watch it in big on my television rather than watch it on my laptop because I think oh, that right. wouldn't have been as good of an experience. So, yeah, oh, that's fantastic. It was really, really good. And my husband and my daughter were very uh, accommodating in me throwing them out of the front room because there was a horror film starting at midday. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. bless them. It, it all went very well and I had a lovely time. And, yeah, I felt really weird when it was over because, like you said, it's like being in another world and to go back to not having my day dictated by films. And like, I've got an hour between films. I must run to the shop and get more snacks and things like that. Oh, so fantastic. It was good. I really enjoyed um, it and, yeah. Really good fun. Brilliant. Good on your friends once again for getting you that yeah. wonderful gift. And, and I'd like to thank them too because it meant that I could be messaging you about the films that I saw <laughs> and we could have little conversations. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, good on your husband and daughter as well for being so accommodating. <laughs> for putting fantastic. up with it, essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My so. daughter watched one of the... You know, before films, they sometimes have the little, a little short before a film. Oh, Some yeah. of them were very, very short. My daughter caught one of them, and it was before... Uh, it might have been before Two Heads Creek. Anyway, I it was I, just... I, was it one made in lockdown? That was yeah. like a guy in the bathroom? There was just a guy in the bathroom. In and then there's one that was a little girl in the woods getting oh, lost. Right. Yeah, my daughter watched that. And she, she was just like... What's that? Is this why you're watching Fright Fest? She's like, no, no. <laughs> That's just a little thing at the start. The film is coming on in a minute. She's like, okay. Then she just walked off shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, yeah, I don't feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Young wisdom. Yeah. She'll change her ah, mind. Wonderful. Yes, <laughs> naturally. Inevitably. Um, okay, so we'll get on to talking about those films in a minute. Um, yeah. Because I've been consumed with Frightfest, Grimfest and live stuff. I, I'm not really aware of too much news on the horror scene. Um, I think you picked something up though, Stella. I did, yeah. I woke up this morning and you know, well, you might not do it, but I certainly do and it is a bad habit. In bed before I've gotten up, I will always pick up my phone and scroll through social media before I wake up properly and I was doing that this morning. I sometimes very... I'm guilty of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's bad. Um, my excuse is I'm waiting for the bathroom or something to so somebody in it. But anyway, I was scrolling away this morning and the and like the third thing on my uh, Facebook feed was um, I follow uh, the trade entertainment magazine called The Verge online. They're quite good. And they had the announcement that AMC is going to end The Walking Dead. Oh, blimey. Yeah. So imagine, I never thought I'd see the day. Imagine my reaction. <laughs> I Good sat heavens, bolt yeah. upright in bed, <laughs> like like a startled walker myself. I sat right <laughs> up and went, what? Really, really loud. Um, and yeah, at first I was outraged and then I was sad and then I was angry. So I went through a whole host of emotions this morning before I actually read the article. Um, and I've read it a few times now to try and get my head around it and think I now understand what's happening. So they're saying that they're going to close it at the end of season 11. Now, the end of season 10 ran into a bit of trouble because of COVID. So what they're going to do, so this is quite complicated. I've had to read this several times to get my head around it. So the final season 
will consist of 24 episodes, which will start late 2021, right? But between now and then, we're going to get seven episodes for season 10, because that's where it all went a bit fuzzy because of COVID. There'll be a finale airing on October the 4th this year, and there'll be some six bonus episodes early next year. And then season 11 will start later next year, and that will be the last one. Now, that's still very confusing, but I'm sure they'll get clearer on when these things will happen. But what that all means is there's 30 episodes remaining, so there's still 30 hours of The Walking Dead to go. But they have said, when we've finished that 30 hours, then it is going to end. So what the makers of The Walking Dead and AMC said, and have said for several years, is that they do see The Walking Dead as a franchise rather than just a series. Mm. We have had other spin-offs of God Fear, The Walking Dead and Talking Dead. Um, But they've announced that they're going to do... um, a spin-off that focuses on Daryl Dixon and Carol, which are fan favourites. And then they're also going to do um, an anthology, which I'm really looking forward to, called Tales of the Walking Dead, which will be an episodic anthology, which focuses right. on individual individual stories. So it will bring back characters that are, are dead, basically. Um, so it's mm. looking like each episode will focus on a different character. So that will be really good, because I do like oh, an anthology. Yeah. And we already knew... Um, from last year or the year before, I can't remember now, possibly only last year, that um, Rick Grimes, his uh, character or narrative arc is going to be picked up for some feature-length things that Mm. should hopefully end up in the cinema. So it's not over, so they are going to, obviously there's 30 hours still to go, and then there's going to be a spin-off focusing on Daryl and Carol, and there's going to be this anthology and the cinema features. So there is going to be more Walking Dead. But I think... Mm. Because we've talked on here before about horror or certain horror texts or any other film text really sort of meaning something to you. And I think when I read that announcement this morning, I did feel quite sad because and I know this might sound quite silly, but without The Walking Dead, I do think, well, what would I have written my PhD on? I wouldn't be where I am now because it was it was that it was The Walking Dead and everything that it did for TV horror, like I spoke about in the episode that we did on serialization, however sure. many months ago that was that gave me the thing to write about and sort of head into the career that I'm at. And I know The Walking Dead has gone, has had some wobbles in the past. It's not always been great, but I don't know. It means quite a lot to me. It's like it's been a big part of my life for the past 10 years. And yeah, it made me feel a bit bit sad that they're calling it, even though they're not calling it because it's a franchise. But, you know, it was, it means something to me that it's going to end. Yeah, yeah, Mm. I'm sure. (laughs) And, um, and, And there must be that sense of you must feel relieved that you kind of did that phd when you did it yeah because i suppose it it would be much harder to 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 do it now if you were saying i want to write about 10 years of a tv series that's just finished because you it's you, you can't argue as well that it's relevant to the current world yeah. maybe yeah um so uh, yeah. did they say anything about whether or not rick's gonna come back for the end of the show well in, just they've not said so when when he left, he was scooped up in a helicopter and taken to we don't know where. And that, the feature film that's coming, when they're going to get around to making that, I don't know, because of COVID, um, was going to pick up from where that left off, where that storyline left off. So I would assume, because Rick's story is going into the films, that they won't bring him back into the series, I would assume. But then... And then thinking about the decision to end it, I mean, I'm going to have to do more research on 
more of the reasons as to why they've done this. I do wonder if COVID has forced them into it a little bit, um, what their business idea is behind it. And then also maybe it's not such a surprise because the comics ended only last year. So, you know, their source material has come to an end. So, yeah. Okay. The reason I ask about Rick is because Mm. to a certain extent you could see The Walking Dead as his story. Yeah. And when his story finishes, then you end the series and you can do spin-offs about other characters. Yeah. But because he's left the series quite recently to do his own spin-off, it's like they decided that the series could continue without him and then have very yeah. quickly changed their minds. Um, and that's I think so. Quite odd. I think a lot of I think there has been some pushback from fans because there's only um two characters in it at the moment that are from series 1. Right. Um, so, you know, they, they've killed off the rest. And that's a large ensemble cast to, you know, to have slowly knocked off over the years, which is fine. But it, it's, I don't, I can't remember if I mentioned this when we did serialised horror. Wh- whichever way they play it, they're going to get it wrong. If they keep it the same and keep all the characters the same, then people will complain. Safe. If you yeah. kill too many people off, then you, people will complain. So whatever they do, you know, you're not going to please everybody. And... The Walking Dead is still an immense global product. It's yeah. been so successful. It's like, well, you know, they did something right. <laughs> it worked for yeah. so long. And, you know, ultimately it is a good thing for them to call it because it will just burn out. But, yeah. Yeah. My and little heart sometimes was this morning. <laughs> a great TV series is capped by a great ending, I think. You know, that if they take the time yeah. and effort to make a really good final storyline final arc, I know. then that will shape how the whole series is remembered. Um, Absolutely. Which, and that, that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, the X-Files is not remembered as well as maybe it should be because <laughs> the end was not very good. I mean, yeah. I know that they've now made two more series but uh, yeah, yeah. more recently, but I didn't see those and I don't hear much about those. Um, but the, the ending that happened in like the year 2001... Or mm. whatever. Yeah. I just remember being like baffling. Um, <laughs> it was and, the same with. Um, do you remember Lost? Yeah, I never saw the end of Lost, but because yeah. I, I kind of got fed up with it fairly early on, actually. But I've heard, I, I've heard bizarre things about the ending, and I feel like sometimes just going and watching the last episode just yeah. so I can see what happens. It's worth it. I mean, as far as I could could tell, it left the whole world just going what. <laughs> Just right. the collective, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So hopefully if, The if Walking you, Dead won't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, no, because if you get it really wrong, it can wipe the series out. We saw a similar thing with um, Game of Thrones, didn't we? And that was the whole last series. People didn't like it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now um, when anybody mentions Game of Thrones, it's always with the caveat, apart from the last series. So. Yeah, that's true. And, Walking uh, Dead, take note, Angela Kang. Don't, don't cock this up, please. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's she's good, isn't she? She is she's, good. She's got pedigree. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she knows that. So. And she's been working on it since the beginning as well. So, you know, she's not yeah. someone who's come in halfway. She's, she has been there and she... I was reading her comments on the AMC blog about... Yeah, she's sort of talking about how much it means to everybody that works on it. And anyway, right. it's going to end. I'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll You'll... You'll get over it, and then you'll start to look forward to the final series and how moving it's going to be. I think I'm going to cry like a baby. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I, I'd enjoy that. So maybe it's time for me to jump back onto this as well. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> great. Well, that's some news I was not expecting. So there's yeah. our news for this week. Thank you, Stella. <laughs> Blimey. But, you know, um, yeah, a strong finale to a series is something to look forward to, I think. So let's hope it will work yeah. out to be a good thing. Right. So, um, uh, let's go on to talking about the films we saw at Fright Fest then. So um, b- before we talk about each film, I'll I'll play the trailer on for each film so the listeners can hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first film we're going to talk about is called There's No Such Thing as Vampires. And it was written and directed by... Um, Logan Thomas, sorry, it's uh, Logan Thomas wrote it with an actor who's in the film as a vampire called Eric Cushing. If if that guy wasn't born to be in horror, uh, horror <laughs> movies with that name, be letting the side um, down. And Logan Thomas also wrote the music to the movie. Ah, so, right. Um, I think that was my favourite element of the movie. <laughs> it was great. The soundtrack is fantastic. So let's have a listen to the trailer. Get in the car. What? I said get in the car. If you're trying to steal my car, the police will not have a hard time finding you. Do you see those headlights? When those headlights reach us, you are going to die. Now get in. Oh, you're kidding with this, right? I don't understand. Who? It's a vampire. That's simple. A vampire. There's no such thing as vampires. So, um, still, this was a, a movie I was looking forward to just based on its title and its description of being kind yeah. of a vampire road movie, um, kind of compared to things like Near Dark. Well, what did you mm. think of it? Um, right, I think I've got quite mixed reviews of it, and I think it's because I thought, well, first off, I should point to that to that synth soundtrack. I love a really sort of meaty 80s synthy soundtrack and that really ticked all my boxes for sure so i, I yeah, thoroughly it really enjoyed sounded listening like, to the film yeah it really sounded like tangerine dream to me you know who it's did the so music good. for near dark so it's very appropriate yeah, yeah really great yeah. i loved yeah. that i thought it had a really really strong start so like the first 20 minutes i was absolutely gripped i was like this is excellent it's really good Oh, I should say that I didn't see the first 20 minutes, so therefore <laughs> any comments that I make are only 75% accurate. Um, because cause I knew it was Fright Fest, um, I thought, well, and this film was on at 6pm, I think. I thought, well, I'm not going to have time to cook a meal. So I ordered in uh, food from the chippy um, and, thinking, Ooh, and I ordered it like an hour in advance, thinking it would come before the film, but it didn't. And the doorbell rang, like, literally as the credits started. 
for the movie. So I paused it, not realising that you're not allowed to pause it. And then... Um, uh, it runs, uh, doesn't went, it? Yeah, I made that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so when I came back and unpaused it, it was 20 minutes into the film. So so what was the opening uh, then, Stella? So the opening was like... Um, it was like Steven Spielberg's Duel. All right. So you've got the girl... She's driving on her own at first, and then there's a big, weird truck-type thing sort of hassling her on the road. She Is it the Winnebago sort of that you see later in the film? Yeah, that thing, yeah. yeah. So she gets driven off the road, and she crashes. There's some. There's another guy there that's also been driven off the road, and they end up together, and that's how they end up um, on the adventure together. But, yeah, it's all based around the menacing Winnebago thing for the first yeah. 20 minutes, and it's all in the dark so you can just see the headlights so it's really 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 strong start which i loved and then for me it just went a bit off i thought the sequence in the police station was great that was some really good horror fodder of them like hiding you know in those little what was it like a little shower block type thing well it was um uh, yeah well i think what it was was that um this police station sequence was like a homage to the Terminator, wasn't it? So the two yeah. um, heroes kind of try and seek um, protection in the police station and then the, the villain, be it the vampire in this film or the Terminator, comes and, and mows <laughs> its way through the police station staff. But in the brief scenes before the, the villain arrives where they're talking to the police officers and kind of we get a bit of exposition, one of the police officers does drop a line about something like Sorry it's taken so long to get your interview organised. We haven't quite worked out how to run this police station yet because we've only just converted it from an animal hospital. So I think the reason oh. that line is there is because they, they could film in an abandoned animal hospital and, and then kind of dress it to make it look like a police station. And I think the room that they were in was like... A, I, I I think there was supposed to be animal cages, but the cages had been removed, so it was just like the right. uh, brick sort of alcoves left behind yeah like pens um, yeah but although I, th- I, I thought what was weird about that sequence was that they hid in them they were hiding in one of the alcoves from the vampire mm. and then uh, and and then they just kind of left because <laughs> the, the back of the alcove opened up and they could just leave uh, but the director and the camera work had not told us that. It, from the way it was filmed, it looked like they were trapped yeah. in this little alcove and, and basically there was nowhere to run. But actually, the, as soon as the vampire went past, they just went, OK, let's go. And they just they just well, backed out of the thing. The character David, he was he said earlier in the film when they're in the apartment or that little house that he was, he's a horror fan, isn't he? And they have a discussion yeah, about horror sort of, films and remakes. The and film stuff. lecturer student guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lecturer. So he's a horror fan, and he makes some of the most stupid mistakes. So I was right. watching it going, mate, you should know better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's true, actually. Because um, uh, I, I did, I, I joined the film in time for his introduction, so when I right. sat down to watch it, the whole nighttime sequence had ended, and they were on the road. Um, and they were deciding to to go to LA, and I think it was LA, and 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 for some reason she decides that the safest best thing for them to do is go and visit her friend who's a film lecturer. Um, yeah. And along the way they, they they have a rest stop at an old church, 
and meet a spooky nun played by Meg Foster in an uh, interesting cameo. Always good to see her, but I didn't really know what she added to it. Except maybe she dropped a few hints <laughs> about backstory that weren't really relevant to the film, but might become uh, relevant if there is a sequel, which I yeah. believe there is going to be, coming right. to the director's interview after the film. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, from that point, that they, they, they went into L.A., um, I think it was supposed to be LA. It certainly looked like it. It was just. It looked like the streets from Halloween. You know, it looked like yeah. those nice little LA suburbs. Um, and they went to to her, her old lecturer friend, and then he sits them down, and there's a five to ten minute scene of them talking about the Halloween remake. Yeah. <laughs> and and the Friday the Thirteenth series, and it's it's like. Uh, uh, considering that was like almost <laughs> the first thing I saw from the film, I just kind of went, "Oh no!" Oh, just no. because it, it sort of seemed there was the, all, all drama seemed to stop dead, and they just talked about uh, you know those movies, and then it, the, the, the film picked up again after that. Mm. But um, and uh, like you say, that yeah, the police station scene is is quite fun and exciting. A bit cheap looking. I didn't th- think there were enough cops in that police station but it has only been <laughs> recently converted from an animal hospital so so maybe that maybe why. there should have been more animals <laughs> well yeah um also i did kind of think that some of the editing was strange but that could be put down to the fact that it was being streamed i don't know if you had problems with street sometimes maybe with my laptop or my wi-fi you know some, sometimes moving images just kind of got a bit out of sync so it made some of the editing look very weird, but I, yeah. I don't remember having that problem with the other films of Right First. Well, I did um, have a chat with um, my pals who bought me the ticket. I think was it on the Saturday night we had a we had a Zoom chat, and um, I think it was Craig. He he picked up on the just overall some of the production values in There's No Such Thing as Vampires as being not great, um, but on our list of uh, when we all made list of our favourite films. At Fright Fest, I'm afraid no such thing as vampires didn't make it to my top five. <laughs> right. I'm afraid. As in, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the start. I liked the sequence in the police station, but I found the rest of it just a bit, a, a bit lacking. I mean, it was it was good enough. I enjoyed it. I didn't wander off. I didn't switch it off. I did mm. enjoy the film, but I don't think I'll watch it again or a sequel. No, I I, I feel like um, it was an ambitious film, but it mm. um. It didn't really have the budget or the skill to to realise itself in the way it wanted to be. You know, you know, it, it compares itself to Near Dark and the Terminator, yeah. and you've even got characters referring to films like that in mm. in the movie. And I, and I don't think it's unfortunately that sets itself up for a fall. Mm. It's it's obviously no, it doesn't have the capacity to be as good as those movies. Yeah, I love but the idea some nice though. Stuff in it. The vampire yep. road movie thing, because I was thinking about it, and you, know, and you mentioned a minute ago, but the, the weird spooky nun who drops all this extra information that just isn't really dealt with, that this whole premise of the vampire road movie, it might work better as a short serialisation. Yeah, yeah, I think there's... I mean, it actually it did remind me of Buffy a bit in the sense it, yeah. that they were clearly setting up kind of mythology and background, mm-hmm. and I and, and if it was a series, I'd think, ah, oh, that's going to come back in episode yeah, yeah. four or whatever, um, and 
Uh, yeah, the, the, the co-writer Arik Cushing played the main vampire and you saw him later in the film and he's kind of had a very Buffy-like... Very Buffy-like. John, John Vulick makeup kind of effect. Mm. Um, uh, again, I think, unfortunately, because of the low budget, I don't think it was lit quite well enough. You couldn't often see it. And I think um, his voice c- came across as a bit... Not muffled, but I think it was fairly obvious that he would be—he'd been revoiced, right. probably because you, you couldn't speak with that mask on very clearly. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, um, and, and so I—I I think that just a bit of extra money would have gone a long way with that. But mm. you know, they're um, they're they're doing more, so obviously it's, it's done well for what it yeah. is. That's good. Um, but yeah, it is in my top five. But then again, I only saw five. So, ah, so it's so more it just the kinda... order. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So um, before we move on to all the films that we both saw, I just need to ask. Um, so, th- um, did you see? I didn't see these films. A film called Blind or a film called Don't Click? Because I've heard some really bad stuff about. I didn't those watch movies. those. No. Oh um, right. Okay. I think Don't Click. I couldn't decide between that and um, where was it? Possibly the horror crowd. I think I went for the horror crowd instead. But yeah, right. my my pals who bought me the ticket, they um they both watched Blind and Don't Click, and they were all over our little Facebook chat group going, "Oh God, why have we watched right. this?" And I was like, "I'm watching the horror crowd. I'm having a lovely time." Oh gee. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, nice. Those those sounded nightmarish. It sounds like you've dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Um, uh, so the next film that I saw was uh, Dark Place. But mm-hmm. before we talk about that, do you want to mention any other movies that you saw that I didn't? That um, you, you'd like to give a shout out to. So I saw Dark Place, and then I saw Two Heads Creek, A Ghost Waits, and finally The Swerve. So were there any others you'd like to mention? Uh, just two. So there was Triggered, um, which was on the Friday night, um, and it was uh, essentially some highly, highly irritating young American people who each character was just awful. But they were they'd all gone camping in the woods for a reunion, like you do, and they all get drunk and they all get pass out and they wake up a bit later and they've all had um bombs strapped to them in a sort of suicide bomber type capacity with timers on and um they had to basically they had to get more time on their timer to by killing other people so a couple of them blew up which was nice um it felt (laughs) like it felt like a slasher because it had you know lots of people running around in the woods and people being you know taken off one by one um it reminded me quite a bit of even though it wasn't as good it reminded me a lot of why won't you just die so it was very right. it was very violent very gory and then lots and lots of comedy as well okay um it had some excellent one liners and yeah i really really enjoyed it it was what you'd describe as a romp <laughs> i reckon right um and then the other one that i'd like to mention is the columnist oh yeah that sounds I, great i wish i'd watched that it's when really I good heard about it Again, another black comedy. Uh, it was a Dutch film, and it's this female. Uh, she's like a journalist, and she gets men being horrible to her online because she dares to have an opinion and be female. So she sets off on a rampage to deal with them in a gory way. 
so yeah, essentially right. she becomes she becomes a serial killer. But yeah, that was really, really, really good. And that was on um, midday on the Saturday. So that was my um first movie of the day. And I loved that one. Really, really loved it. I did uh, halfway through it I was texting various friends going, You're gonna love this, you're gonna love this. So yeah, really, really good oh, film. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of it very much. Because um I can relate to the fact that these kind of social media interactions lead to a, a kind of rage very quickly. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that escalating into murderousness. Yeah. Um, One of them is her neighbour. He's trolling her online. So uh, she deals with him quite abruptly. Like it goes from she's just sat at a laptop and sighing to, oh, she's murdered him. Okay. <laughs> right. It's really good. Okay. It's really good. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then All I right. watched. So- but just one oh, more that I watched that you didn't um, was there outside, and that was like a found oh. footage one. Um, again, mixed reviews about that one. I think it was sort of based on uh, the Green Man myth. So Kirsty might like to watch of that one. I'd like to know what she thinks about it. It was okay. So I don't know. With, with my friends who also watched it, they. We were all quite polarised. We either loved it or we were like, no, that's not for me. And I was on the no, that's not for me camp. I just found... I think my issue with it was the sound was really bad. Right. Because like when they were outside, but it sounded like they were inside and I just found it really distracting. Um, but it was all filmed in one little tiny flat apartment and then like her garden outside. So that was quite nice, the use of the location. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, watch all these films for yourselves. Don't take our opinion entirely, but that was on my sure. meh list. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it it didn't sound great to me from from what I read, um, mm. but I think it's possibly the only British one in the festival. Mm. Am I am I wrong? So that's a shame as well, because although Two Heads Creek is partly sort yeah. of British. Um, but, okay, so let's move on then. So yeah. the next one I saw was Dark Place, which yeah. is an Australian movie, um, basically a horror anthology on an Aboriginal theme. Mm. So it's um, it's all kind of Native Australian, mostly Native Australian lead characters and viewpoints. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a short film. It's only an hour and a quarter. So yeah. each story, I think there are five stories by different directors, and they're all 10 to 15 minutes long each. I hear that originally it was meant to be a, t- a TV series rather than a movie. Oh, right. I think maybe if it had been planned to be a movie, they might have uh, taken more time to, to kind of give it an overall linking feel, like a, to yeah. make it a solid unit, like a linking story or something. So it yeah. doesn't have that. It's literally just five, basically five short films yeah. with different titles that come up on the screen. Um, but they are linked by this kind of overarching theme of um, the kind of uh, Australian Aboriginal experience. Um, what did you think? Um, well, I watched this with my husband. My husband also watched Triggered, actually, and he enjoyed that one. And I watched Dark Place with him. Um, and he he really enjoyed it because it was... Because it just wasn't one hour and a half long screaming misery, he calls it. It wasn't that. Right. <laughs> because it changed, you know, every 10, 15 minutes. So he, he did quite yeah. like it. I liked it. I think some of the films stood out more than other ones in it. Some of the shorts, rather. Um, so should we start with the first one, which was Scout? Yeah, so that this is the sort of... It verges on, on 
it looks like maybe it's going to be sort of torture porny. Yeah. It's about um, a woman kidnapped into sex slavery. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of very grimy and intense. Mm. Um, and it feels... I, I mean, I, I like the whole film, but I particularly, you know, this this opening segment has a particularly kind of serious and intense feel to it mm. because of the subject matter. You know, it's entirely realistic, isn't it? Um, yeah. And um, and the women in it seem very real. Yeah. Um, and and because of their the kind of unique features of Aboriginal faces, the kind of faces you're not used to looking up. In, for long periods in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of, it does, and then basically you are entirely identified with these people. The, the the villains in the story, the kind of rich guy who runs the trafficking and the couple yeah. of guys who, who who are his lackeys are kind of the, the white and there's a, a thread throughout it of, I think certainly for the first four stories, they all focus on... Um, native australian female protagonists and there are no native australian males as anywhere for the first four stories basically if you're a man you're probably white and not helpful (laughs) Uh, it's kind of the 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 continuing theme of it yeah um uh well yeah i I like the fact that um it's kind of low-key and realistically played it's very well acted the first yeah really is um and also, uh, it's not, I mean, partly due to the fact that it's so short, but it's not as much of a despairing experience mm. as a lot, a lot of these kind of stories can be. <laughs> yeah, um, but I really, I really enjoyed that one. And mm. with, um, I think with that one, I would certainly like to have seen a full length version of that story. I think it could have a lot more layers yeah. and, and, you know, uh, storylines in it so it could be be worth expanding i think yeah for, i think you're right because uh, the one thing that they couldn't really get over in the sh- short time they had was how long the main characters had actually been in that situation yeah. you know seemed like a while of, didn't it yeah it's like you see her get kidnapped and then it cuts and it could be months later or weeks we don't yeah. really know so yeah but yeah i'd like to see that as a, a full-length piece for sure yeah um, so the next one was called Foe. Yeah. And I've not got again, anything written next to it, so I don't remember it. <laughs> well, this was the one where there's uh, a young woman who's, again, same ethnicity, kind of native Australian, and um, and she is, I think she's been played by nightmares, so she goes oh. to a doctor who is like... Uh, all the other guys in the first four segments is a white, unhelpful person. Um, oh, doesn't yeah. seem very understanding. And she seems to be being plagued by, uh, like, a doppelganger yeah. or something. Um, I remember liking it to a point, but I, I don't think it became clear enough for me what was going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, me and Owen both had different um, ideas about what was going on. Right, in it. okay. He... Um, probably correctly said that it was like a, a double or a doppelganger and I was like no it's a ghost <laughs> it's a ghost of her mum or, or something so yeah we were both okay. I was way off I think um, but I thought the actress acted it really really well and the end of it 
um was really harrowing i thought i thought it was it was good i mean i've not written anything here so maybe i was too glued to the screen but yeah i enjoyed it i think oh good for you yeah. I, I can't remember what happened at the end so I, i've uh, no the ra- the radiator on. oh do you remember rings a bell <laughs> but let's not spoil it yeah um you know if it was a good little story like yeah. when like me and Howard have said when we've been reviewing anthology movies in the past it's it's really hard not to give spoilers because they're made up of little so kind of small. 15 20 yeah. minute stories usually with twist endings um okay but you know so i mean i agree though that i, I like the atmosphere of that one and i thought her performance was great mm. and i was into it i just kind of slipped out of it because i i didn't think it was very clear what was happening mm. um then we have another story called The Shore, which is the one which was in black and white. Yeah. Um, which kind of stood stuck out a bit. And I, um, I should say, I don't, I don't know quite what the production method of all this was, but although mm. each story has a different director, they there was only one director of photography, so they're all filmed by the same crew. Um, yeah. And deliberately using different styles, though. And in this story, again, um, it was quite different. And there was a bit of it that really freaked me out. Um, See, all I've written here is black and white. So you have to remind me what it was. Well, it was, How did it start? Well, again, I couldn't really exactly work out what was going on. I, there was a young woman, and I think she'd been living in um kind of the wilderness i think the idea she at the start of the story i think she found a man dead but then you saw in what i think were flashbacks that he had been living with her and he was either her father or friend or something but it's not really clear um so so you, you get a sense that she's alone and there's a dangerous other presence and then there's a moment where she goes to the shoreline. Yeah. And a creature, a woman creature, vampire, ghost, whatever it is, emerges <laughs> from the sea. And I remember finding that very striking and, and freaky. I, I yeah. you know, it definitely sent chills down my spine. But then um uh, I don't I again I found it a little bit unclear as to whether the young woman was being asked by the creature to kind of join it in the sea or yeah or what um i think that's the impression i got i remember it yeah (laughs) so so therefore um yeah so i remember feeling that the nature of the threat i couldn't quite get a handle on because this man had obviously died somehow Mm. so presumably these kind of sea dwelling people stroke creatures are, are, are threatening but exactly how i didn't quite understand yeah um, and it was very sh- it felt it, i think it was shorter than the others as well it, it, it was felt really a few short minutes long yeah yeah um yeah. so it was it was more like a, a little spooky you know black and white movie it was like mm. kind of um do you remember a movie that we watched at Sixth form is one. Of, it's the movie that they use to introduce people to the idea of alternative non-narrative cinema, which is. You're going to mention meshes in the afternoon. Aren't meshes you? of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and it just kind of reminded me of that. For a little while, I remember kind of thinking, you know, 
all you have to do to be a bit weird is be in black and white and have some symbolism <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Pro- pro- probably including keys. Um, but And there were no keys in this movie. But, um, no. But, oh, God, it, the keys. And that thing with the mirror for a face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the thing that kind of went... Oh, <laughs> book! Um, anyway, that's not this movie. That's no, a movie that's, that, that, that we, we watched did for in A-level. class 25 years ago. <laughs> uh, it's probably on YouTube, folks. Maybe it is on YouTube. Ale- I, I did look for it uh, a few oh, years I... ago. I did look for it to be like, what was that thing? <laughs> to watch it, I was like, yeah, it's still weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. But, you know, it's um, A-level weird. Yeah, and um, I just like the fact that you know that movie was made in the late forties, early fifties. Yeah. So more more than half a century later, well, <laughs> thirty odd years later, when we were learning about it, it was still being used as kind of exhibit A in kind of groundbreaking <laughs> cinema. It's like it's like as if Mayadoran did all that stuff and then nobody else touched it for yeah. decades. So good at anyway, her. she's a visionary. <laughs> Yeah, so, but back to the actual movie. Back to Dark Place. So, Killer Native was the next one. Yes. Um, oh, no. Um, oh, we've missed one called Veil oh, Light. We have, yes, we have missed one. Sorry. So, the one we've just talked about was actually the fourth story. So, Veil Light. Yeah, was this the first was one. Um, another kind of, starts off in a kind of social realistic vein. Mm. Um, and, and it's about uh, a young woman and her daughter moving into a new house. Um and trying to get to know the neighbour who's vaguely sinister. Yeah. Um, and seems to have some kind of, kind of mystical powers, maybe. Yeah. But basically, the daughter is is developing kind of magical abilities. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of of Carrie a bit, and I yeah. like the the way the film introduces the idea that she has kind of telekinetic powers is that she's reading a book, but the pages are turning themselves. Mm. I thought that was really nice and yeah. a kind of subtle way to introduce the idea. Um, and that maybe I read it slightly differently, but because I, I read Kim Newman's review of this film, and yeah. he said that the next-door neighbour was another example of the kind of white characters in the movie who were threatening. But I, I didn't read it like that because I thought, she was, I mean, not. She didn't look like necessarily a, a native Australian, but she looked kind of Asian, to me. Yeah, well, um, I think I, I was kind of reading it as the the next door neighbour. She wasn't necessarily. I don't think she was as threatening as the other um, white characters in the other four films. She seemed mm. to be developing like a guardian type role, perhaps mm. to look after the, you know, whatever the hell is wrong with this creepy kid. Um, she might need some looking after. But again, like um, Scout, this was one that I thought that could be a feature length. I think that yeah. could be stretched out and told in more detail, for sure. And like you said, you know, make, make you think of Carrie and... Yeah. Yeah. Could be it's, a longer piece. It'd be like Carrie with a more kind of complex relationship between mm. the daughter and mother, I think. Yeah. Because I, I got the impression that there was more that I wanted to understand about their history and the way that they related to each other. It's not mm. kind of as black and white as in Carrie where the mother's kind yeah. of religious fervour kind of overtakes everything. So Yeah, because the mother was very yeah. young, wasn't she? So maybe... Yeah, exactly. Was she yeah. a sister? Maybe not even a mother. 
wonder. That's true, actually. Maybe I just kind of read it like, yeah, because they didn't seem that far apart in age, mm. actually. Because the daughter was about, I don't know, maybe six. Yeah. And uh, and the mum looked to be in, or the older character looked to be in her early 20s, maybe. Yeah. So, so, so maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, a nice little story. I think you're right that it felt like it could have been developed a lot more. Mm. Um, And and maybe hopefully it will be. I think this movie was made with kind of um, a certain amount of kind of government funding in Australia. Mm. Um, And I think that someone certainly, especially considering that this was meant to be a TV series first, there was clearly the intention that let's make something which kind of showcases the kind of native Australian experience yeah. um, or viewpoint. And therefore it's, you know, the movie has a little bit more heft and kind of mm. importance to it than your average horror anthology. So there is a chance that something might get developed from there. Yeah, I hope so. But, but having made that comment about the kind of seriousness of the project, mm. then, <laughs> then we come to Killer Native, the final segment of the movie. Yes. Which I will say... <laughs> was my favourite segment, although <laughs> um, I didn't get it for a bit. Um, how would you sum up this segment, Stella? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I t- uh, it really made me laugh. Yeah. But the acting was great, the script was hilarious, um, it looked great, but... I'm not going to say it's bad because, like I said before, they've made a movie. I haven't. Um, I just I don't like splatter. Okay. So, and it reminded me of do you remember that one with the little dolls, those little Nazi dolls. Yes, you. And said that was that. outrageous yeah, yeah. splatter, and it was just because this had another had a similar um, baby in utero being extracted um situation <laughs> yeah it's amazing that i blocked that memory out of my head from the other film you're talking about puppet masters the little that's Sprite, the one which we saw at Grimfest 2018 18 yeah so um, it was like that where i'm just watching it going ah and it's not i'm not in any way squeamish or you know i just i don't know it's just if i'm gonna if i you know i'm scrolling around Netflix to find something. I was going to say if I go to the video shop, but nobody does that anymore. If I'm looking for a horror film to watch, a splatter horror would be way down at the bottom of my list. Yeah. It's just I mean, not my thing. It's like I'm not a fan of the Evil Dead either. That kind yeah. of stuff is just, it's not my box of frogs. I know some people love it and it, you know, Killer Native, it was really, really well done. It's just, it's not what I would choose. I think yeah, that kind of stuff has a place, but it's absolutely obviously it's comedy horror and it's not really frightening, mm-hmm. um, and that's so it's got a different appeal. But yeah, I, I enjoyed Killer Native. Um, the production values are very weird. Basically, it's a it's a kind of um, Victorian era set story about mm. um, white settlers. So it's the only. Um, story in the movie which is where the protagonists aren't native Australians but then an Aboriginal guy comes along and gets involved and the relationship that strikes up between him and the white people is really funny mm-hmm. um, there's a bit where they encounter a possum or something which <laughs> oh, yeah. is blatantly like a little puppet it's it's like they've not they don't even try to make it look real it's and like a also... 10p tour you found at a car boot sale yeah um, <laughs> Which, you know, that's very charming um, that they did that. And there's also a bit where um, 
I think the start of the story is a guy, like a settler guy, is killed by the, the dangerous forces. And mm-hmm. straight after he's been killed, so like within 30 seconds, you've, you're just registering the fact that unlike the rest of this movie, it's kind of got a period setting mm-hmm. and it's got gross violence going on. It's got a slightly comedic tone. And then the music goes all synthwave. <laughs> Don't you remember this? And yeah. it's, so, it's so incongruous. Um, just for a few moments, we've got a, another kind of 80s style um, kind of thrumming score, mm. um, poppy kind of score, and that's kind of odd. But um, yeah, but it, and also you've, the, the White Settlers, I think, are played by Australian actors trying to turn their Australian accents into over the top Cockney accents. <laughs> so we've just come here, and we've we, this is our place, and we live here now. <laughs> and um, but but you know again that all just kind of contributes to the tone. Yeah. And it does kind of it left me in a good mood. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll give so it that. I I think um, you know you've got it's often not always but often good to kind of leave the audience laughing or just yeah put 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 the light-hearted bit to the end and but it still has the kind of serious point to make about the kind of dysfunctional relationship between kind of Aboriginal Australians and, and yeah. the people who've settled Australia and, and, and the way their culture has been invaded and misunderstood and things. So it kind of fits in thematically. Well, I read, I skim read what um, all the... F- I totally skim read what all the films that were going to be in that anthology. So when I sat down with Owen to watch it that night, and that was it was actually our wedding anniversary that night. We right. sat down and watched these films, uh, or watched Dark Place, and I totally missed the word splatter when I read the short blurbs on each film so when the splatter started happening i just had to turn to him and go i'm really sorry <laughs> oh right oh, and he no, was like, oh it's all right <laughs> <laughs> i had to apologize that i'm sorry it didn't say splatter then I looked at my phone again looked at the blurb and it was like clearly it says splatter and i just ignored it yeah. sorry oh, well <laughs> well intentioned anyone could have made that mistake yeah okay so well sticking with australia then so the yeah. next film that I saw was Two Heads Creek. As your older sister, you don't belong here. Just a minute. Yay! You are a completely useless human being. Get off back to Poland. Hi, good night. Our final destination in Australia. Two Heads Creek. You're all gonna die! Well done, everyone. That was a drill, and you all did very well. Tear them apart! Who is she? She's our mother. (laughs) Nothing worse than extended family. Uh, it's written by Jordan Waller and uh, directed by, what's his name, um, Jesse O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jordan Waller also stars in the movie as uh, one of two siblings, a brother and sister, who are uh, British-Polish um, people. And the, and but they find out that they've actually been adopted. I think the start of the movie is set in Britain and is the that their mother's wake, 
and after this they find out that actually um, her mother took them in uh, from an Australian friend. I can't really remember if the, what, how the movie explained what the relationship was between the, the mum and, and the Australian person. Mm. But anyway, so... And uh, they decide, because they're getting abuse, kind of racist abuse on the street, kids throwing stuff at their butcher's shop and saying, get back to Poland. The the blurb on the movie kind of specified it as post-Brexit Britain. (laughs) (laughs) So... This is this is what um, kind of outsiders think Britain's like. Bless, and um, they're not far um, wrong. No, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. No, um, just I'm just saying, isn't it great to have a one, such a wonderful image on the world um, stage? Yeah. Um, so they they travel to Australia to discover their real hometown and their real background at a place called Two Heads Creek. And from when, when they get there, um, it kind of goes from from unpromising to grimy to worse um, without going too much into it. What did you think of this movie, Stella? I really, really loved it. It was... It made me laugh the whole way through. Um, I thought it was clearly done with a lot of love and uh, I think my favourite sequence was not too far into the film, so it's not spoiling anything. They've not been in Australia very long and they're sat having... They're at like a barbecue and they yeah. end up throwing cans of lager around. It's like, this is, this is how a man drinks. Yeah. Yeah, cans of Forex. Yeah, <laughs> so that sequence, it just made me howl because it reminded me of things like, um, oh God, what's it called? Kath and Kim. If anybody saw yeah. that, it reminded yeah. that that same sort of humour in sort of presenting these um, sort of very, very in the middle of nowhere Australian tiny little town so it's very very small town people are a bit stand and stare throw rocks at the sun type place right (laughs) Um, but it just made me laugh the whole way through and I really really enjoyed it and every single cast member really really threw themselves into it I felt true really enjoyed it the the characters especially you know the 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 two main characters are actually very engaging and well well done, especially the yeah. female character. I yeah, she was the great. His name on. I'm sorry, but um, but all, all the characters in the actual town are kind of grotesque and yeah, um, heightened. So the actors have a lot to go at, and mm. they really go at it. And there is the one thing, the one that kind of baffled me was this character called Hans, who's the <laughs> the German one, who is. <laughs> kind of revealed to be the father or if not the father of the two British people then certainly the ex-partner of the woman who was their real mother yeah and um his Germanness because he's got <laughs> he's got a strong German accent and he's called Hans but I think they actually explain his Germanness by saying he he, he spent six months in Zurich or something he went yeah. on like a, a placement so he's, he's come back with a very strong accent that he's never lost um, I just thought that's bonkers but you know but it kind of sums up the film it just gets weirder and dafter um, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, to me, it does fall in that kind of splatter comedy horror kind of mm. area. But it was also, it had a kind of folk horror structure. It's yeah. on that um, that line between folk horror and kind of, um, you know, American kind of Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Kind of backwards horror. So I suppose you'd, for Australia, you'd call it outback horror or outback something like horror, that. Outback horror, yeah. 
where people come into a strange community and there's stuff going on. There's a bit in the middle where it kind of... Maybe I was being thick and the <laughs> filmmakers knew that there would be thick people in the audience, so it's kind of explained what has really been happening to Heads Creek, which I don't want to spoil for people who've not mm-hmm. seen the film. But I think they show you it kind of visually, and then in case you still haven't picked it up, it cuts to um, a bus driver <laughs> uh, uh, who just kind of goes, oh, yeah, and in Two Heads Creek, this is what happens. And he just kind of tells the person he's with all about it. So you, so you are left in no uncertain terms <laughs> about what the nature of the the situation in Two Heads Creek is. Um, yeah. Uh, so I thought I thought that was kind of weird. Um, oh, one of my notes here says Mary's wig. I think Mary is the, <laughs> the Australian mother. I just thought yeah. her hair looked really odd. Um, she was a, a vaguely familiar actress. So I felt like I was sure that I'd seen her in things, but I did look her up, and, and there was nothing that massively stood out. She was in Lantana. No. I don't know if you remember that Australian no. drama with Anthony Lapartlier that came out oof, uh, nearly twenty years ago. But it was the name kind of, rings a bell, but I don't think I don't think I watched it. It was big news when it came out, mm. um, and I I I remember I wrote down with a question mark, no stunt doubles, just because, Mm. I'm sure there were, but it looked like the, usually most of the action was filmed in such a way that you could see that it was really the actors doing it. Yeah. You know, there's various fights that break out and things like that. And also there's a couple of kind of weirdly safe-looking fights where it's almost as if they thought, should we get the stunt doubles in to do a really good fight here? No, let's just have the actors kind of sort of almost fight. So, yeah. that, you know. Um, but again, but that, that just adds that to the... In, it adds to that feeling of everyone's just thrown in, thrown themselves into it. And yeah, it yeah. was one of those things where you're watching it, you can tell that everybody really enjoyed making it. It looked yeah. like the best project. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good. No, it was great fun. And um, I, I loved the way that the brief scenes at the start in Britain looked and felt so much different to the rest of it. Yeah, um, the colours. And... Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it was made by a different team, those scenes, or if it was the same team, but they just made conscious decisions to make it feel like a different place. But whatever they did, it worked mm. uh, really well. And um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it a lot. So that brings us on to A Ghost Waits. Yay! <laughs> so I'm glad you said yay, because that's my favourite movie of of the festival, the ice, from the ones I saw. Um, so yeah, this was um, a movie that has been previously popularly shown at Fright Fest in Glasgow earlier this year mm-hmm. and, and a few other places, and apparently they've, based on feedback that they got from those, they've retooled the ending a bit. I don't right. really know what the original ending was, but apparently it was darker than the one that we saw. Oh, um, that one we saw it was pretty dark. And it was kind of bittersweet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was bittersweet. Um, it's the kind of ending that, that, that could be um, easily pushed the other way, I think. It was... Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a very sweet ending, but mm. handled differently, it could have been quite provocative. Um mm. But yeah, I remember you um, texting me and saying that you were in floods. Yeah. Um, So basically, A Ghost Waits is 
I don't think it's spoiling it to say it's a very strange love story. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, it's a guy whose only job is to clear out houses, rental accommodations that have been vacated. Um, so he gets sent round to this this flat to clear it out and then kind of becomes aware that the reason that the previous occupants left in such a hurry was that the place is haunted. But when the ghost appears to him, it's only frightening for a short time and then they start to develop a relationship and, in fact, more or less fall in love. It's so um, sweet. And it, and it's done very, very cheaply. It's an American film. It's black and white. Uh, um, I think, uh, you know, black and white video, I think. I, you know, I don't think any yeah. film was, was involved. But it, it's nice looking for the most part. Um, and, yeah, just a very small cast. Just basically this guy in this house, this ghost... A couple of other characters wander in, like there's a pizza delivery boy who comes yeah. knock, knocking on the door at one point. There's that other ghost that tries two. to come in, that younger ghost, that yeah, younger female ghost that she tries whole, all the all the big basic, scares, and he's just like, stop it. <laughs> yeah, the kind of heads. Yeah, the um, the head honchos at ghost control. Yeah, ghost control. Another another ghost to try and scare him out because the the ghost who lives there is lives there is uh, is not doing the job. Um, yeah, and the, and but so basically, it's a it's a comedy romance as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, it's 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 a little bit. It's not really silly, but it's imaginative and strange. But all played in a kind of very sweet, funny mm-hmm. but sincere way. Mm-hmm. Um, Their chemistry yeah. is amazing, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. I think both of the actors um, are fantastic. I think the only kind of technical quibble. I had was that um, I think it's a shame and again this is a function of the very low budget I think the movie looked really nice apart from when it was doing a close up of the ghost I think because of the the high definition photography it was too kind of clear that she was kind of wearing makeup to me yeah. you know she was kind of in white makeup to look more deathly um, but it's fine from a distance, but it's just on those big close-ups. Yeah, and it looks really cakey and dry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was sort of yelling at the screen, use a setting spray, for God's sake. Come on, take away that powderiness. Right. <laughs> but but although, what that made me think was that I reckon this movie could be remade with the same yeah. actors and basically the same script, but just more money. Yeah. And, and just made to look glossier and released in a mainstream way in, in theatres, and I think mm. it would be very popular. I think it would do a, really well. It's a great little story. Um, I mean, I think if you just released the film as it exists, it would probably do fine, but I think it's it would it would be easier to promote visually if you mm-hmm. had kind of a slicker-looking product. And you could do things like, you know, there are sequences in it where the ghost goes to her boss in the netherworld <laughs> or whatever it is. And basically it's the same kind of stuff as... In Beetlejuice, where you get yeah. the idea of a very kind of bureaucratic afterlife, um, <laughs> which is is kind of funny. But again, with a bit more money, you could kind of go to town on that, kind of visually and explore that world a bit, which I think would be fun. One um, of the um, short films that I watched um, was called Afterlife Bureau, um, and that was the same sort of bureaucratic afterlife, and that right. was. Um, 
based around a woman who worked in the Afterlife Bureau and she dealt with people as they died and she'd sort of tell them where to go and what to do and deal with their paperwork. Okay. And uh, that it that was it looked like um sort of like mid 1940s kind of style and fashion and the way the office looked it looked beautiful but yeah of all the of all the short films just to add in that you know it's the same afterlife bureaucracy and paperwork that's needed it was it linked very well with what was in one of the shorts so if you can see that do have a look right oh nice one yeah that sounds good um i'd just like to mention the director of this movie was adam stovall it was his first feature film i don't know if you saw the interview with him yeah, and the lead actor afterwards, you know, they they came across as really committed and mm-hmm. imaginative and sincere about the project. Um, and Stovall co-wrote the script with uh, Matt Taylor, and I just think it's it's a lovely little piece. And um, mm. and and he's a director who's kind of gone sideways into filmmaking from kind of film journalism. Mm-hmm. I think, but he just obviously had this idea that he thought I can do this. Let's let's put it together. It'll be really good, and um, he's quite right as well. I was really pleased to see also that um, somebody else involved with the movie. I think he's just one of the voices that uh, I heard on some tapes at some point. But he's also got, I think, a special thanks credit. Is a guy called Nicholas Thurkettle, and he's one of the people behind a podcast called. Um, uh, Earbud Theatre, have you heard of that? I've not, no. So Earbud Theatre is basically the Twilight Zone as a podcast. Right. So every every oh, episode right. is, is a different, spooky, weird, imaginative story. And Thurkettle and a few other people kind of formed it mainly as a way to... Because they were living in LA and they were trying to make it in, in the film business, but they knew loads of people who... Uh, were also trying to do that and didn't have much to do. Actors who were resting, whatever, so they thought, let's mm. make a drama podcast um, and and give them something to do, and, and writers as well. And so, so he's in that, and he writes a lot of them. They they bring out roughly one episode a month, I think. Yeah, right. That sounds and, good. Uh, yeah, no, it is. I've I've heard a few mm. of them, and there's some really fun episodes in there. Yeah. So, well, that's a ghost white. So that, yeah. was, that was my favourite. But on to the next one. And the final one for me that I saw, well, the, and the final film of the whole festival. It was, yeah. Was uh, The Swerve. Yeah. You're drooling. I was the one. Those two kids in the paper. I ran them off. So this movie, blimey. Yeah. Um, this was so in my top five, absolutely. Did I put it, it in my number one film? It's Maybe. I can't remember. I wouldn't blame you. It's written and directed by Dean Capsalis and um, it's a very powerful, very bleak drama. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel in a way that they were... Um, they've really extended their definition of horror yeah. um, in order to get it into this festival. Yeah. Because it was horrific, but it was the horror of uh, a terrible 
normal life and a mm-hmm. disintegrating mental state in the face of horrible relationships with family and, and friends mm. and things. Um, I guess it was, it, would you call it a thriller, really? Well, it had suspense. So it was yeah. like a psychological thriller. But the it's suspense was mainly... Burn, wasn't it? You were getting the sense that this was... N- everything was going to just go worse and you wanted to mm. know exactly how but you didn't know you, you, you thought that you know so that and there's kind of recurring plot elements so basically azura sky um who is the one time buffy guest star who i mentioned yeah. on the podcast a couple of weeks ago uh is terrific in the lead role of this um kind of middle-aged mother who has a a kind of superficial relationship with her husband. Her kids are horrible to her. Don't really appreciate her. She's a school teacher. Um, she has a, a student in her class who is attracted to her, which leads to some complications. Um, she's basic, and, and also she has a very difficult relationship with her own family, mm-hmm. her immediate family, and her, and her sister. Sister's who, an addict, isn't she? Yeah, and she's That's, kind yeah. of. Um, is she just back from rehab? Or yeah, I think so. She, well, she's she been away come, somewhere, yeah. Yeah, she comes back into their lives and, and stirs up a lot of old resentments. Mm. Um, and at the same time as this, at some point, it's not quite clear if this really happens or if it's in the character's mind, but she seems to be driving home in an emotional state and causes a car crash or thinks she does mm. um but then doesn't uh, but then it kind of just cuts and we see her waking up we don't know if that's her waking from the dream or if it's her waking up the next morning we don't really know what happened afterwards yeah. um but she's is kind of haunted by this crash and then you know she gets the news uh, becomes uh known that people have died in this crash and um and she, we don't. She doesn't say it, but we can see that she's kind of blaming herself for that, even though we don't know whether she was really involved at all. Um, and and yeah, and basically every every little aspect of her life seems to kind of fall down into a mess. Yeah. And, um, it's just a slow. It's a slow build, isn't it? It's a slow burn, and yeah. every everything after that, everything just unravels. Like I said, it just gets worse and worse. But there's no sort of, there's no like big catastrophe. It's just layer upon layer upon layer of things just going, getting worse in her family. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's just she's just spiraling, isn't she? But it's all yeah. done very, it's all done very quietly. Yes. Like there's yeah. there's no screaming and shouting or fighting. It's just it's all it's all very low key and quiet as she just sort of. She just quietly gets on with her life falling apart, and yeah, I I really really enjoyed it. Of all the films, um, Ghost Waits was was really really lovely, and I was really into it. But The Swerve was the one where I was absolutely gripped and glued to the screen for the whole whole thing. Loved oh, it. Great. Really so really that, loved it. Because I feel like we're in danger of making it sound like not an entertaining movie. So no, it's you, fully gripping. I think. Um, I, I was I was pretty I don't think I was I was glued to it, um, but at the same time, well, no, I mean <laughs> there was stuff going on in my house at the time that I had to kind of keep one eye on, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, no, it, it is absorbing, 
and you do care about the characters and you it kind of has that suspense to it where you care enough about her and uh, and the kind of world that you want things to get better you can see yeah. it all falling apart but you know it basically isn't it probably <laughs> isn't so you, so you you kind of watch in horror um yeah her performance is just stunning all it the really performances is. are great it's got that wonderful thing of feeling like a slice of life but also being a beautiful piece of cinematic art yeah you know? it's it's perfectly pitched in the way it's shot mm-hmm. um and, and the kind of um the music that they use and things like that and it's just yeah. so focused um yeah and I, I would say it's possibly the most uh, pun unintended but despite a ghost weight this is kind of the most haunting mm-hmm. film that I saw you know yeah. and the one with the most moments mm-hmm. that I remember because there were lots of moments in it where it actually hurt mm-hmm. um, if, if the whole festival I think the swerve and a ghost weights are the ones that I would watch again mm. yeah when yeah, they when I they agree. land on Netflix or whatever I will I will be watching those ones again yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's a terrific piece of work, and um, if there is any justice, it will get some kind of mainstream release and consideration. Yeah, I hope so. It and, deserves and, it. And she will get like an Oscar nod or something because yep. I think it's a wonderful performance and mm. um, just it, it's one of those movies that does all the things that the uh, the Oscar voters love. I think, it, yeah. but but unfortunately, it doesn't have a big star name attached to it or a big budget, <laughs> so it just yeah. might not get the attention. But yeah, um, yeah. Well, no. So so therefore, just out of curiosity, Stella, what is your top five then? Because that's all the five films that I saw. Um, I I did post this on Facebook. So in my top five, so in no particular order, I think, because I I could shuffle about with the order for the rest of my life. Um, right. so the swerve, a ghost waits. Uh, the Columnist, Triggered, and um, how many is that? And Two Heads Creek, I think, okay. would be my top five. Oh, yeah. great. Well, Triggered is coming up again because it's going to be on at Grainfest. Yes. So that's a recommendation for people there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I, I really wish I'd watched The Columnist now as well. So. <laughs> well, I think uh, The Columnist... The actress in it, I can't remember her name, I do apologise, but she's been in some quite big TV stuff. Maybe she was in Westworld, I think. All um, right. Something like that. So I think the columnist excuse me, will get a wider release because it's got quite a bit of heft behind it. Okay. I think. Did you say it's Danish? Yeah. Or... No, Dutch. It's Dutch. Oh, Dutch. Okay, so it wasn't Sidza Babbitt Knudsen. I think she's... I don't she's... know. She's the Danish actress who was in the first series of Westworld. I've only seen the first series. You have to have a look, but yeah, I think I've got written here in in a box and I've scribbled around it lots of times, got the word excellent. (laughs) Right. So yeah, The Columnist, really, really enjoyed it. And I would imagine it will end up more widely available. Yeah, Um, well, let's keep our eyes out for that. Yeah. Right, fantastic. Okay, so there we are. That's our Fright Fest roundup. That was our first Fright Fest. Yeah. So well done, Stella. Um, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Good on your mates again. Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the show then. So we've just got our recommendations. Um, mm. What What's your recommendation for this week at all? My recommendation is a new uh, Netflix original film called I See You. 
and it's uh it's a bit silly really it does go off the rails a little bit um and it's uh it's labeled as an ominous thriller mystery uh, it's directed by adam randall and the synopsis is a small town detective is looking for a missing child and he uncovers a quote malicious presence lurking in the home okay. so yeah i think it's it's fairly bog standard but I, I did enjoy it and it's it's not that long which i think i've recently seen, been seeing a lot of horrors that are not very long and i am quite enjoying the short <laughs> the shorter film um but yeah, yeah it's, it's a good lot fun. of them at Fright Fest were 90 minutes, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and I found that, I think it's the same with Green Fest. And I, I think horror films that fit the 90 minute. Yeah. I mean, it just suits the genre. Absolutely. You know, an economy of storytelling. So. Yeah. No messing yeah. about. Just get in, get yeah. out, tell the story. Yeah. But yeah, I nah. See You. It's on Netflix. It's been there for about two weeks or so now, but I watched it the other night and uh, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, check it okay. out. But yeah, with right. the caveat, it's a bit silly. Right, okay, so I shall put that link in the show notes. Yeah. My recommendation for this week is also a bit silly. Make that possibly very silly. On <laughs> nine, at nine o'clock on Saturday, um, which hopefully will be the day after this podcast comes out, so the 12th of September at nine o'clock in the UK, on the UK Horror Channel, there's going to be John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. I think Yay. <laughs> I might take a leaf out of Kirsty's book where she mentions Hannibal every week and I'll mention John Carpenter every week. Um, and that, it's, it's the last... No, it isn't. I was, um, I was going to say it's the last Carpenter film that I saw at the cinema, but no, because he did then make The Ward and I saw that too. I just kind of blocked it out. But... Um, <laughs> It, it's it's a very ridiculous horror action movie thing, but it but at the same time, <laughs> how can a movie you, thing? Nice. It, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it, but it's a kind of weird mix of uh, it's it's got Ice Cube and Jason Statham and Natasha Henstridge, who I've been thinking about recently because she's in a film coming up at Grimfest. Um, and I thought, and I remember scratching my head and think. Wasn't she in a John Carpenter film? Oh, yeah, she was. It was Ghost of Mars. Um, and it, it's all about weird, ancient, Martian spirit demons that get released when a colony <laughs> on Mars in the future is digging up something and and the, the demons possess uh. people and turn them into, like, a sort of um, uh, kind of creatures who look a bit like... Oh no, I can't remember his name. Sort of a mid nineties <laughs> like American metal uh, performer, Marilyn Manson. There <laughs> you, <go. laughs> you know, um, and and it becomes a big battle. Um, but it does have a kind of cool, weird synth, um, sort of late nineties soundtrack. The music credit is music by John Carpenter and Anthrax. I remember oh, them. brilliant. Like, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I bought that, that CD for a friend of mine when the movie was new. And I remember that one track on the soundtrack album is just called Pam Greer's Head. Because, nice. yes, <laughs> Pam Greer is also in this movie. Um, and so is um, Cleo, Cleo Duvall, who's, right. who was a kind of big in horror type genre stuff around the turn of the century so she was the invisible girl in Buffy she was in the faculty and then she was in yeah. this not sure what she's done more recently um so yeah <laughs> it's um i remember that um 
I've not watched it since it came out, but I do remember that at a previous screening on TV, uh, our friend Ross texted me. He was mm. watching it, and the text said, there's no good time like a shit carpenter good time. <laughs> and Because <laughs> it's like... I don't know what happened to him in his Latin career, but he just seems he lo- he seems to lose it, his grip. Um, <laughs> I, and I know that he was losing interest in filmmaking, so maybe yeah. he was just um, not being rigorous. With, but like Ghost of Mars, as I remember, has flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks. He's like, yeah. If you need to do that to tell your story, you probably the script needs a rewrite before you get to editing or shooting, you know. Um, and also, <laughs> Ross told me that there's a bit where they put on glasses that protect them from radiation or breathe, help them breathe in the Martian climate or something. I was like, breathing glasses? Really? <laughs> I don't remember that. Could be completely wrong, but I, I kind of have to watch it again to just see if they. It just sounds totally insane, but um, yeah, that but sounds like a quality Saturday night in. Yeah, so <laughs> I might be taping that one. So that's my recommendation for this cool. week. So Stella, this has been an absolute pleasure. This was going to yeah. be the first of our new short episodes, which we're going to be doing for a while, but it's kind of ended up sort of nearly as long as as Not most quite. of the ones we've done. No, it's a bit short. Yeah. So it's a bit could short. do better. Um, <laughs> next week is gonna probably gonna be a longish one again, but it it, it uh, we've got an excuse because it will be pre-recorded. It's gonna be another one of our Halloween reviews, so we're up to Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers, aka mm. Halloween Six, aka Halloween: The Origin of Michael Myers. Halloween um, four hundred and seventy-two. <laughs> yes, and what this means is I am going to. Have to spend hours over the weekend listening to people I love very much, um, Spider Dan Howard, another new guest we got called Luke Richards, who's an actor. I'm talking about a film that I don't love, amazingly, <laughs> but you know that could be the fun of it. So um, that's what yeah. will be happening on this show next week, and then um, uh, and then we'll start building up to, to Grimfest soon Yay. after that. So. Nice one, Stella. It's been lovely cool. having you back for yeah. a week. How and, nice. Um, yeah, uh, it's been great. And, um, well, well, we'll soon have you back again and yeah. we'll have another update on, on the progress of life and the strangeness of life. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you found those recommendations and reviews useful, um, you know, and you'll get the chance to check out some of those movies. Um plug for Grimfest um, it is only a few weeks away and some of the movies we've talked about are going to be shown there so get yourself to Grimfest website uh, I think Grimfest.com but google Grimfest you'll be yeah, fine it's at um, the top and uh, yeah and, uh, and check out some of those um, listeners I'll be back next week with the Halloween 6 review and you'll hear from Stella in the future alright bye 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 You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited Presented by Stella Gaynor and T.D. Velasquez Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism 
in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages, at AndNowPod or at LeeCushingPod. Follow us on Twitter, at AndNowPodcast or at LeeCushingPodcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash and now podcast and now the podcast stops <laughs>